Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talking Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the South, we refer to it as the Gap Band. Well, I think, you know, Formula One is for grown-ups. Welcome to episode 46 of the Talk and Power podcast. I'm Nick DiCimbra and I'm here with co-host Simon Gonzo Travellini. Thanks for joining us, Simon. And uh, we're in the presence of someone... We've got a big interview today and uh, we're in the presence of not only Drag Week extraordinaire... Drag, drag Challenge. Drag Challenge. No Mercy. No Mercy 9 <laughs> extraordinaire. Harry Haig. Harry, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hey, boys. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for taking the time out to join us. Harry, we got... A lot of questions. I've got one that... Well, I won't start off with that question. I'm going to leave that for a bit later as a bit of a surprise. Anyway, <laughs> I guess one of the questions that our listeners would really like to know is, how did you actually get started in drag racing and what were some of the first cars you raced? Um, we got started... I wasn't, didn't really know anything about drag racing. We got started. We we're, were doing the burnouts for a while and got sick of trash and shit every weekend and... and I'd drive it to, I'm a bit, a bit of a lead foot, so every time I'd go out, I'd just I'd blow the thing to pieces and push the crank out of it. So um, a couple of boys were getting into drag racing and whatever, and um, I thought it was pretty easy, just get the biggest motor you can and shove in a car, and uh, it'll be all easy. But uh, I learnt very fast on my first day, my turbo big block, when I went 10-0 all day, that this wasn't the case, and the, the right-hand sill was nearly dragging the ground because it had stand suspension and stuff in it. So, yeah, it was a pretty quick introduction to drag racing, which was probably... Oh, six or seven years ago was when we started building the HQ, and uh, yep. it sort of went from there. So, so with uh, Pop Triple Six, how did that come about? It it it, uh, it looks like it was a bit of a barn find. It come about. It was actually the car that my wife used to get driven to school in um, every day. So when I first met her, our first date, they live out on a farm in the middle of nowhere, and as you do when you go to a farm, you're poking your head in sheds, and I've seen this car in there. It was probably it was a 40 foot shed it was right at the front had hay bales and horse rugs and it was all covered in dust and I opened the door and inside of it was immaculate I thought man I've got to get this car so I hammered her um, hammered you know the father-in-law for probably 12 years uh, <laughs> constantly every time I so every Christmas every time we'd come around he wouldn't give it up and then one afternoon we're sitting here with the boys we just knocked off work and um, he rings me up and he goes I've just bought a tractor and it won't fit in the shed. If you want this car, you better get over here quick. And I said to the boys, drop what you're doing, get in that tilt train, drive it as fast as you can over there before he changes his mind. So when we uh, when we got it, the condition was I had to do something cool with it and uh, and uh, make it go fast because he'd seen a couple of my other cars. So hence the name Pop Triple Six. Pop is Pop and Triple Six is the devil, which is uh, my mother-in-law. So that's how the number plate corresponds to the car. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, you certainly met your obligation. It's definitely the coolest HQ in... Well, apart from maybe Zapier's. Zapier's might have topped you there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that's got us covered. But, um, I remember remember when uh, one Christmas, I think we got it about July or something like that, and first Christmas, um, he, you know, the old boy doesn't visit us that much because he's a fair way away, but I had it sit in the driveway and they come for Christmas lunch and he's looking at it and he's like, oh, it's going, is it? I'm like, yeah, it's going. And it ran like, Ah, uh, probably a 920 or something. We had it by then, but it was on pump fuel and it, it was it had one single turbo. It spooled up fast, and I, I said, "Come, we'll take it for a drive." And he goes, "No, no, you drive it." So I drive it down the road, and you've always heard that expression: you know, a person went white. Well, we got down <laughs> my road, which is a single single lane road. It's pretty rough and shitty, and by the time I clicked into the second, he was like white as a refrigerator <laughs> and hanging onto the dashboard. 
And I got, got to the end of the road. I said, you better have a drive. He's like, I'm not driving it. I said, well, we're not going to be able to get back because uh, I'm not driving it till you have a drive. So give him a drive of it. He, he rolled it on him first and into second. And I said, jump on it. And then went from one side of the road to the other. He got off it and shit himself. And, yeah, it was, it was one, of the, yeah, one of the coolest days ever. Yeah, that's so. So, just tell us, Pop Triple Six, what running gear does it have now? Then, what, what's it been upgraded to in the latest uh, it, incarnation? It's always had it's always had a big block, uh, a glide off Gonzo, and a nine inch. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early days, it was pretty primitive. It was just a single turbo setup. Um, one of my good mates and Shep made just some log manifolds out of um, steam pipe. Um, we had the boys tunnel vision and all that did all the computer and had a 4788 single turbo on it which was a bit small for the engine but that's what all we had when we started um, yep. and it's just sort of as it's torn itself apart we just made it stronger as it's sort of gone on so so let's move on to sorry the drag challenge it's for those listeners that haven't listened or tuned in before it's five races five days you cover approximately 1500 kilometers can you talk us through what you need to do to the car to prepare yourself for that because what people probably don't understand is you actually have to drive the car from track to track there's no tra- no trail you're not allowed to trailer the vehicle to any of the tracks so what preparations no, but, do you have to do to get the car I'm, ready I'm, for that I'm, I'm probably the worst guy to ask about preparation because we're always like two hours to go before we're bolting the last thing together and we're always running on no sleep but basically what it is you get their sunday scrutiny yep uh, and everything you need for the week, whether you tow on a trailer or you can put it in your car, by Monday morning when the event starts, uh, your car trailer and everything else that you brought with you that you know where to use, you know where to touch that for the rest of the week. Yeah. So once you've, uh, you've entered and you've driven in the gate, um, they'll give you the signal right, car trailers and the support vehicles in the paddock, and you've got to have everything you think you need to make that shitbox last all week. Yeah, so... Okay. Um, it's, it's it's hard sometimes like, some people take everything in their shed um, some people always, we normally work on the fear if you take it you won't need it but sometimes that doesn't work but yeah it's it's just experience of and then you'll get thrown a curveball that you just can't fix like little stuff you can you'll, you know get yourself out of trouble but um, when you're in the, you know three o'clock in the morning and um, you've got a transmission let go or something, then you really find out who your mates are. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough. Now, now this year was pretty special. Uh, you had your son with you on the on the uh, drag challenge. Is that correct? Yeah, I've had I had my son with me the last three years, so he was tw- uh, thirteen when we first started. So, um, yeah, the first year we had a hell of a year. We got to. The first night or second night and we're driving along about 11 o'clock at night and um heard one of the lifters start to tick so we've done a roll of lifter so um we pulled up wired that up pulled the plug out drove to the next track on seven cylinders with fence and wire holding the holding everything up and then got there did a cam swap and then it just yeah all went downhill from there we got it repaired another cam and then got to swan hill we broke a rod so we had people bring parts up from Melbourne. It actually broke the rod, didn't hurt the bore. Uh, it clipped the water pump, the, the oil pump, which you didn't realise. It cracked that. Um, and we got it all back together, and we're all, we'd all been up for you know four days or whatever, and took the oil line off the turbo, and a bit of oil come out. I said, oh, it'll prime itself up. Away we went. But on, in my tiredness, I was looking at the fuel pressure gauge, not the oil pressure gauge, because they're both the same on the holy dash. So we had about three pound of oil pressure for three hours. So you can imagine how that ended. Yeah. Uh, we got 20 minutes from the colder gate. We stopped to get fuel, and the thing was that hot and just locked solid, and, and that was that year. Then last year, um, we had we went to Adelaide, and um, yeah, we just from day one, the auto trans bracket on the shifter cable was bent down a bit, and on the hoist, I thought I'll just straighten that up, but obviously it was bent the whole time, so it wasn't engaging second properly, and then yeah, we didn't sort of realise what was going to the end of the day fixed it and then yeah we drove out of the place went to get fuel and it was pouring oil out of the out of the pump seal so it just yeah it just continually got worse to wednesday to yeah, we we wrecked everything we had to fix it and um yeah we exhausted all the avenues so we haven't had much luck in the last couple of years so this year 
uh, or the last two years, I had a very sad little boy sitting in the back watching everyone else go past and watching it on Facebook. But this year, um, yeah, we had a pretty happy little boy, so it was it was really cool. But it, but it really is a proud moment, is it? Because I could see from the the videos from Street Machine, it was a really proud moment this year. And before we get into this year, I mean, it, it must have been something special to share that with your son after you've had two reasonably poor years with him. Oh yeah, like it, it just it plays on your mind like for the rest of the year that you haven't finished. Like he gets the shits because we go to the states, hop in the Chevelle, mm. drinking beer and just mucking around being idiots the whole time, and we always finish and have a good time. We actually put a lot of effort into uh, doing this, and we, it, yeah, it was starting to wear thin on the young fella a bit. Yeah. Um, when we left on the Sunday, uh, thought we had everything right. Uh, it's probably a two-hour trip from my place to Melbourne. It took us, uh, I think it took us nine hours to do 80 kilometres on Sunday. It just kept overheating and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And we stopped at the truck stop after we'd throw the throne and towel in and got someone to come and get us. And he's riding around on his little motorbike that we have on the trail, a little pit bike, and he comes back and said, oh, I've seen a shooting star, Dad. And, oh, right, what did you wish for? And he goes, I wish that we'd finished drag challenge. And I'm thinking in my head, there's no... Why they happen in today's succession rate? We can't go 5Ks, let alone 1,500, but yeah. After day one, so somehow yeah, we we messed a few things up. We're in the league, yeah. He couldn't punch the smile off his face, which yeah. yeah made me happy and all the other boys happy too. It was really cool. As you were driving past all those places that you broke down, were you sort of, you know, feeling the pressure? Oh, you know, I've always watched Brocky and and read a couple of things on them boys, like at Bathurst when they got the you know cars been going flawless all day, and the last couple of laps they hear stuff that they think's falling off and these strange noises. That was like five hours from Swan Hill back to Calder that night. Cordy was asleep and the other bloke, Bog, that was with me, he was asleep. And I'm going past places where we've failed before and just listening to weird shit that probably is nothing but in your head you think it's something major. And Yeah, it's, it's uh, a pretty hectic time uh, in the middle of the night when you, yeah, you just, you know, you spend heaps of money on the car. All it has to do is propel itself, but it seems to be always break, all, they always fail on the road, mm. never the track. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty happy moment in my life to drive in the front gate um, and wake the young fella up. And, and he got up and said, you know, instead of tears of, tears of uh, sadness, we had tears of joy. And he normally doesn't wake up that good. I think it's the fastest he's ever woken up in his life. So, yeah, no, nah, it, it was badass. So, speaking of that final day, you've, you've gone into the final day only two one-hundredths behind Frank Marchese. That, that, yeah, I think that's absolutely amazing for for the whole for the for the whole event to be two one hundredths behind first and second or two one hundredths after you've covered fifteen hundred kilometres and you've been racing four days at that point. I just can't. I don't think people can quantify that yet. No, it's, it's people always say, "Oh, you know, we'll do this and it'll be easy." Like if you always. Said, you know, if you wanted to do have fun at this event, you'd take a car that you didn't have to swap nothing over. You'd pull your esky and your bags out. You'd run your 12 second pass, load your stuff back in, and, and you cruise off. And you see these boys all week. They come in, do one pass. They get there after us. They do their couple of passes. They're sitting in the pub putting stuff on Facebook by 12:30, and we're still laying under the shit box swapping it over. Like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty wild. Mm. Um, yeah, the amount of effort that goes in to swap them over and and um, and to get a time like my car, it's gone like four seventy five or something. Like we couldn't at Mildura time we got going. The best we could go was like a five twenty. It's just like yeah, you've got to have a lot of luck and yeah. um, you've got to decide. Like we're at Swan Hill when when Frank we went seven fifty. We had the quickest pass. Then Frank went a seven thirty two, and everyone's like, you're going to go out again. You're going to go out again. It was what sort of yeah, you know, half past half past two in the afternoon, and I'm like, do I risk going out and blowing this thing up and and having my son stab me in the face, or do I just just don't worry about it, just get there and we'll worry about it tomorrow? So, um, yeah, like some of the boys in previous years, like they'll just watch each other and you know they'll go lap for lap and just yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of you just got to draw the line somewhere when, when you're going to go and get on the road and yeah, worry about it tomorrow. So. Yeah. Um, there's a bit to it, but yeah, it was cool all week, you know, like everyone expected um, Frank not to make it the second day, and he was like with us, we were always the last ones driving in at two in the morning and everything, and you know, he, he earned it, um, you know, so did we, you know, but it, it, it was a cool deal. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's been a, a big year for you this year with um, uh, 
the 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 second spot finish uh, first overall in class in Australia and second in class in the US. You you got any other plans for us in the last few weeks? You going to try and win one? You know, like one of the national events or? <laughs> no, nah, nah, we on on the um, actually on the Sunday all, all these noises I was hearing like driving back to Calder, we put a new um, like instead of the the conventional Holden spring in the chassis, we we put a coilover shock type deal on the front of the HQ and and uh, these new brackets that man off the top and it was driving funny all day like getting the top end it'd go one way or the other and it actually broke the or what been happening all day it was tearing the top control arm out of the chassis so. Um, that's why, yeah, we, we couldn't get couldn't get it after half track. It, it would just turn whichever way I wanted to, and I, I didn't know if it was me or what the hell was going on. And that's sort of what sort of pulled us up at the end. But um, we had the power and everything. But yeah, just um, just in the top end, it was all over the place. And then we got back, and yeah, the, the top control arm was laying against the steering arm, and and um, they're all wanting me to go again. And I'm pointing to Terry, I'm like, no, there's something wrong. I can feel it clunking on the steering arm, and he looks under, he's like, oh. You're not going anywhere, so uh, yeah. No, nah, we had uh, we, we, it's you know, luck of the draw. But yeah, no, nah, we we had a, we had a ball in the states. The Chevelle went well. We, we were um, we were driving. I think the first night when all the tornadoes were happening because we hadn't watched the news. We'd been up and we you know, haven't got a radio or we didn't, didn't know what's going on in the world around us. So it was. I remember it was like three thirty in the morning. We're on radials. It's raining like cats and dogs, and um, we're coming down these hills like just. Well, I had one like 50 k's an hour, and the back's trying to pass the front. And Ryan in the back of me, as I was sitting there drinking the beer as we're driving along, and as we're locked across one side of the road to the other, I hand Terry me beer as we as I like going left hand to right hand down or something. And we mate Ryan's in the back behind the taxi bar, and he's like, "We're all dead. I've never seen you give your beer up in your life." <laughs> and there's so we're the only ones on this four lane highway going towards. Darlington, I think it was. And the other side of the road was four lanes. It was bumper to bumper. And we're looking at each other thinking, are we doing the right thing here? Like, everyone else is leaving this town and we're going towards it. And the rain's getting worse. And, yeah, it was pretty wild. Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that point up because I've got in my notes here. I actually listened to Mike Finnegan of Roadkill fame. He has his own podcast. And, and he mentioned the, the exact same thing. Like, they were literally driving into storms. I mean, he was he speaks quite highly of you, Harry, actually, in his podcast and, and said uh, how much of a blast it is to hang out with, with the Aussies. Um, and your name, your name in particular, to be honest. But... Um, Oh, really? Yes, yeah, he did. But um, can you tell us a little bit about Steve-O, is what you commonly refer to the Chevelle as. Can you tell us a little bit about the Chevelle? Yeah, well, the first year we went there, we went with a couple of other boys, um, Arby from um, Sydney and another bloke, Steve Raymond. They had a uh, some sort of Mopar thing, like this ugly Mopar thing, and... Um, Steve was running a bit short on money to do it. He goes, if you, know, if you want to throw us a few bucks, you can come over and drive the car at Drag Week. I'm like, hell yeah, you know, I've watched it on TV. I'm in. So we, we got there and they told us how fast this thing was. And the whole time where we were going to stay, I'm, I'm asking old mate, I said, can you find me something big block four speed? I'd save up a bit of money. Anything you can find. Like. So that's all right. The first few days we got there, we seen this car and he goes, oh, you better take it for a drive. So took it for a drive and, you know, going along like 40k an hour and this thing was supposed to make 600 horsepower and good pyro sitting beside me he goes oh let's see if it does a skid so I've jammed one foot on the one foot on the brake one foot on the, on the, on the accelerator and, and just sort of bogged down and just sort of took off we both looked at each other thinking we're not taking this this is terrible you know what um so yeah this shop we're at so it had a 20 acre paddock behind it it was all overgrown and stuff and looking around and i seen this yeah this top of this roof down under these trees so we went down there and that's where we found steve-o and i asked him about it he goes oh this guy never paid his bill 20 years ago it's been sitting there it won't go all this and that so we dragged it out with the tractor and and um the the floor pans like up to the tunnel was just full of rat shit and bird's nests and like yeah inside of it was just had a smell it would outlast jesus but <laughs> anyway we we um we dragged that to the shed and had a had a quaddy on it and not much wire and the rats had eaten it all so we Put the, the quaddy off, put it in a bucket of petrol, and made up a few hot wires and stuff. And went to this Mexican joint across the road, had lunch, come back, put the quaddy back on, powered up the um, the dizzy, and and put a put a spark to the starter motor. And the thing, like, started and idled like a brand new car. And everyone's just looking at me like, "There's no way that just happened." And then we had, I think we had like 
four days or something, and this thing had no interior, was missing taillights, no, but it was pretty much a bare shell with a long motor and a, and a transmission in it, and that's about all it had. So, um, yeah, the thrash was on, and then that was the first year at Drag Week, I think it was 2.14 or 2.15. So uh, we had no clutch mechanism for the first uh, 300 miles or something. We had to drive it, started in gear, and Mark Mickey got us a clutch linkage, and, yeah, we sort of went from there. But, but yeah, from, from when we rocked up there, I've met some of the best people you'll ever meet in your life. Like, I just couldn't believe what we'd done, and, yeah, that's sort of how it all started off. Harry, I got it. This is the question I've been meaning to ask you. So, this year you came second in Super Street Big Block Power Adder in that car. This is at Drag Week. Yep. You went on to say it was better than having an orgy with Margot Robbie and her friends. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we've come. We've come. I think every year we've come fourth and stuff like that. And it, we, it felt like we'd won Bathurst. Like when we worked out. Um, we were in third for a bit, and then on the on the last day, it was just that hot this year. Like it was crazy, the heat, um, and the intercooler was maxed out. And we're putting like thirty five pound in it, and it would only let like twenty five through, sort of thing. Um, <laughs> we had, had Terry, Terry there from Paramount, best mate Terry, and he's like, I, I can't throw any more at it. It's, it's all it's going to do. And yeah, we went in. I know all the guys, um, Keith Turk that runs it, and. They're like a big family, this thing, and we went in there when we had to hand our time slip in, and Tonya Turk, which is Keith's wife who does all the time slip, she go, looks at me and goes, uh, points to the screen and goes with second, and Mike Finnegan come in as well, just at the same time, mm-hmm. and give him his time slip, and realised he was second, so we crash-tackled each other the whole way through the hot rod boardroom in there, knocked everyone over, Karen was like we'd, uh, two guys had just seen their first porn film or something, and yeah, it was, it was a pretty special day. No, that is awesome. And, and then to top it off, a few weeks later, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you've gone to, you've caught up with the duck, the Donald Long, yeah, we... and No Mercy 9, and qualified number one in the 6-0 class. Yeah, we... we um... I messaged Duck sort of before we came over because um, a couple of the Aussie boys, Jet Martin and uh, Wade Wag stuff, yeah. and that were racing. And I, I stirred Duck up a bit. Like, he's got sort of the same sense of humour as me, so I'm always making him memes and stirring him up a bit <laughs> stupid shit. And, and um, I, sent him, I sent him a photo of the car just as a laugh. I said, uh, what class can I bring in run, run this shit bucket in? And he's like, just bring it down. We'll put it in something. I'm like, you serious? He's like, yeah, hell yeah. So we were the only ones to drive our car into yeah, the gates of um, of No Mercy and Lenko Jim was there, yeah. and he's like, I'd heard about you, mother. You know, I can't believe you've driven this thing in here. And and then um, yeah, they they treated us like royalty, mate. Yeah, they're really good people. Like give us VIP passes, and yeah, they were, they were unbelievable. And, and the, the event is just like nothing you've ever seen. Like it's just it's just got its um, its own buzz about it. Just twenty four hours a day, like no one sleeps. It's yeah, yeah it's wild. Yeah. I can actually picture Lenko Jim actually as you're rolling in saying that. That's actually not that hard to believe. Oh, Jim. He, he, he is like, he's a hard way to get to know, but sort of after the fifth day, I'd worn him down and up and doing stupid shit. And yeah, nah, he, he, he's, he's a legend like him. And, and, um, and Donald's like totally different to what he is like on, on the um, live feeds when he's stirring him up. He's like, yeah, he's nicest, you know, well-mannered, um, bloke you'd ever meet in your life like he's always worried about what you know every, everything's right for the races and yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was a really cool deal i really yeah, couldn't thank him enough and yeah when we, when we top qualified like he actually come down and shook our hand and he's in his he, yeah he, he couldn't believe it he's like there's no way you top qualified that pile of shit <laughs> i'm as surprised as you <laughs> so, so you, uh, you, yeah no nah, nah, it was a good deal you've had an incredible unbelievable 2018 what are the plans for 2019? Oh, yeah. how, how are you going to top this one, Harry? I'm, I'm actually going to try and find some work and try and pay for all this because <laughs> everything I've got maxed out at the moment. Um, yeah, even our hillbilly operation, it still costs money to do. So um, all these other boys have got a million sponsors and, and fancy workshops. All my stuff is built in a lean-to with nearly a dirt floor. So, yeah. <laughs> Just a bit, bit, bit of recovery and try and catch up for next year. Yeah, no, fair enough. Hey, Harry, is any spot, speaking of sponsors, are there any you'd like to thank or and crew you'd like to, to mention as well? Oh, got, got to thank a heap. I've got to thank um, Terry from Paramount Performance yep. in Toowoomba. 
uh, he's the main man behind you know, why this, uh, those, the Steve-O and, and Pop you know, go so well. He's, um, he's, he's a gun on the tune and anything else. Like, there's not much he can't put his hand to and get you out of the shit. Like, um, they're awesome mates. Um, Robbie Abbott from Abbott Engines uh, on the Gold Coast um, does the engine and pop down comes with me to drag challenge every year awesome dude the guy sitting beside you from all fast converters we've never actually met in person but i can ring him at any time of the day and bounce things off him and probably 50 percent of the reason why my car goes so well is just stuff that i've talked to him about over the years about setting stuff up and he's a wealth of knowledge as you know yeah. so um some other boys here um mate phil whitford who does my painting um yeah, Gary, it, don't it, it, don't forget yeah. the missus and your son, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kits McGee, she's called, and uh, and the kids, and um, yeah, all the other boys. They know who they are. They, they give us a hand with it. I won't reel them all off because I'll forget someone. But yeah, yeah. Um, got, got a got a pretty good group of mates that, um, that that make this deal happen. So really appreciative of all that. Yeah, nah. Hey, look, Harry. We won't keep you any longer. It's I know it's um it's pretty late over there in uh, Victoria. So look, we we won't keep you any longer. Thanks for your time on coming on the podcast to talk about podcast. Uh, I know you've got a Facebook page. I think is the it's uh, Chevelle Aussie Chevelle. Uh, just just Aussie Chevelle. Yeah. There's a, a Instagram and a um a Facebook page. Just Aussie Chevelle. You'll you'll see it all there. Yeah. Yep. Um, what about yeah, what about sorry. Pop? Has Pop got its own page yet? It should do after this year. Oh, Come it, on. It, 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 it did, but it was always failure. And this year, I just sort of wrote a novel on my own page at the end of it. I probably should share it to it. But <laughs> there is a Pop Triple Six page as well. But um, yeah, this year, we most exhausted I've ever been ever at a car event. And, yeah, I just sort of did it all at the end. But um, yeah, there, there is one for that as well. So you, if you get on there, you'll be able to see all the failures from from past you need to get some photos of the engine bay sprayed with the white ceramic seal that... <laughs> oh, i'm actually looking i'm actually looking at it now i was telling you about it the other day i'll i'll send you a, i'll send you a photo it looks like it's been dragged out of the bottom of the ocean <laughs> hey we should also thank oh, myself personally i should also thank street machine magazine and also the the team there i think i don't want to i shouldn't mention names but i know luke was pretty instrumental in putting a lot of video together. Telfro Obviously, well. Scott, Scott, yeah, oh, Scott, them, Scotty them, Taylor yeah, as well. Scotty Taylor and Telf, yeah. um, Chris Thorogood, and yeah, them, them boys. Their videos in the last sort of two years are just world class now. All the technology and yeah. a couple of young fellas coming through, showing them this and that. Yeah, even um, the ones from Drag Week and stuff like that. Like you forget half the stuff when you're actually competing. It's really cool to you know go back when you get home and you, and you get a bit of time yourself just to watch it and you see stuff that you never seen and. Yeah, they're doing an awesome job. At yeah, that. huge effort, huge um, effort. You know, I mean, they really bought yeah. they bought the whole drag challenge to our homes this year, and yeah. I think they did an excellent job. And if you haven't seen any of the video, please get to www.streetmachine.com.au. Everything we spoke about is basically there. So yeah, no. yeah, it, it, it's all there, and um, yeah, the, the boys have done it. All, it's, as you boys know, there's, there's not much happening in Victoria as well as drag racing and there's lots of static shows and all that, but um, this is a thing that it's sort of it's grown into a monster. And when they ask me about it, I said, all people want to do these days is drive their shit. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're going or what you're doing. Like, that, that bit's irrelevant. If people can just sit in their car with their mates all week and, and cruise around. That's, you know, that's all anyone wants to do when they build a, build a street car. So, yeah, no, nah, they've, they've done an awesome job. Yeah. All right, Harry, thanks for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, yeah, and we, we look forward to seeing your antics for 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do. We bought the young bloke a, a wagon. Um, I bought it last year. It was a bit of a deal for um, one of our buddies from Montana built it for Scott Taylor for his child um, to buy a special needs car. So I bought that for the young fella, and uh, Robbie's built a big block for it. It didn't make it there. It got stuck in the container with... Um, with the other boys' cars this year, oh, so the right. motors it's it, it's at Noonan's and everything. It's all ready to go. So uh, we'll have a two-car team next year, and the young bloke will uh, be by himself with uh, a couple of the other boys. So yeah, oh, wow. it should be entertaining. Well, so this is this is Malibu Barbie, yeah. Malibu Stacy. Malibu Stacy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't you watch The Simpsons? <laughs> so there's a, there's a page for that as well. If you want to check it out, you can. It's, it looks like the Griswold wagon. We, we put all wood grain and stuff on it this year. So yeah, it'll, it'll be a cool deal. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing it, Harry. All right, thanks for your no time worries, and boys. thanks for coming on, Harry. 
Thanks again, Harry. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. See you, boys. Take care. See you, mate. All right. Well, that was a awesome interview and really big thanks to Harry and his crew and, and Harry's time as well to come on to the podcast and do that. I really appreciate that. I don't understand how he finds the time to do all of this. He must not sleep. No. That's the only thing I can think of. The other thing I forgot to mention, and I feel kind of bad actually that I, I didn't mention it in the podcast, but in our interview with him but he's a very endearing sort of guy as well and he probably might not like me saying this but a lot of his interviews he does with Telfo have you seen him before he puts his arm around Telfo and it's like quite you know he's an endearing sort of guy he's a he's a top bloke yeah he's a top bloke from Shepparton did he do Fink this year as well Yes, he's from Shepparton. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know he's done it in the past, hasn't yeah. he? Told me I, don't, I don't know if he did it last year or, or this year, but yep. just amazing how much he crams in. I have enough trouble trying to get down for a street meet. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of good people in Shepparton. There good is, people. yes. The Silver Brothers are from Shepparton as well. Yes, they are. Big shout out to oh. Anthony and Danny. But Danny, it's an amazing... The the Pop Triple Six, even the, the, the uh, you know, Steve-O, the, the um, Chevelle... It's amazing that he has so many people from right across Australia mm. involved in it. Yeah, you know, you got, you got Terry uh, and um, yeah. uh, in in, uh, in Queensland. You got us over in WA. Mm. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. he's pulled together a group of people that have done an absolutely amazing job. And I, ironically, ironically, it really is a case of selling ice to the Eskimos because you know you'd think you'd be able to get an, an engine a tuner and a transmission and converter from the US mm. like considering the cars in the US That's instead right. of getting it built in Australia anyway good on you Harry nah, <laughs> no we really appreciate the time much but many thanks for that MotoGP it's all wound up so this is a bit of a wind up podcast really in many ways we've got a number of events that have ended since our last podcast MotoGP was one of them it was a farewell to Danny Pedrosa. It was um, sad to see Danny go, um, finish up. He started in MotoGP back in 2001 in 125. Yep. He, a- he won the championship in 125 in 2003, mm. and he won the 250 title in 2004 and 2005. In total, he had 31 victories during his career. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I mean, it's oh, sad That was to in, see him. in the MotoGP category. That's it? correct, yeah. yeah. So it's sad to see him go. Finished fifth on the the the, um, the Valencia race, so hometown race for him. Um, quite an amazing race, wasn't it? We've been plagued by rain this year in MotoGP, and I've got a list here. There's ten riders that fell that weren't able to complete this race, unfortunately. Now there is an exception to that. Paul Esparago, yeah, fell on lap thirteen, I think it was, yep. and. Um, because the race was stopped on lap 14, he was deemed as a, still running because they take the results from the lap before. Correct. So he was able to continue on. Yeah, he now third. He, he did. He did. And uh, that was the first podium for KTM. Mate, it was Celebration City for KTM. And hats off to those guys. And Paul was particularly excited and probably needs to be managed a little bit better next time. <laughs> the, the, oh, look, I mean, he was he was pretty excited and uh, some of this, the swearing, that, uh, that they did apologise for it. I'm not offended by it, but, um, yeah, MotoGP had a few of the F-bombs dropped. Yeah, but there's a bit of a story about that. Because of the rain, so they had to stop the race and then restart it 40 minutes later, Yeah, it meant that they tightened everything up. So the normal delay that exists when they're interviewing wasn't there. No, no, no. <laughs> so everything he said went worldwide. It was. <laughs> it was. So, no, look, I mean, I was really happy for the KTM team. It was really big celebration for him. Andre Davizioso as well, to finish, to finish first in that race was a real hats off to him. To and stay that, on the bike. Yeah. To stay on the bike. <laughs> I think I spoke with you the Monday after this race, and I thought... And I said to you at the time, the visors they were running were the, the clear visors. They didn't have the tinted visors on. It was amazing. The whites of their eye was... You could see it in the way they're looking around the corner and literally around the corner. And There are a heap of shots of um, Davizioso's face on this particular race. And it was, it was intriguing racing, let's put it that way. It, it, was, it was a very... Look, um, if they had have stayed out for... A couple more laps, they would have reached three-quarter race distance and the race would have been called. Mm. Uh, but they, they didn't get to three-quarter race distance, so it was a whole new race when yeah, they when they started right. again. And um, it, it, what was sad, I, the big 
downer for this race was uh, five laps to go. Rossi, mm. um, you know, came off, and then that changed the uh, manufacturers' championship. Yeah, um, moving Yamaha from second to um, to third. Which, I mean, you know, it, it was look. It was Marquez's year at the end of the day. Yeah. Dovi was right there. Mm. Um, I think Rossi was in there with a chance. Uh, the Yamaha, you know, towards the end of the season, they figured out whatever, whether it was, a, you know, the way the power delivery was or, or a yeah. chassis issue or engine issue, whatever the problem was, they'd figured it out. But um, unfortunately, you know, Rossi just pushed a bit too hard in a few races there and... Um, yeah. You know, it was all over. Look, I don't think anyone's going to be blaming Valentino too much about that drop in, from second to third. When you look at it, Maverick fell off as well during this race as well. So, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't think Valentino should be wearing the the heat too much. Um, I certainly don't see it that way in my view. It just would be nice to see him... You know, Marquez is a lot younger, yet he rides um, someone of more advanced, you know, age, mm. you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, he, he kind of, he will relinquish a position um, because he's looking at the championship, not the race. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, ideally he'd like to win every race, but if he, he'd rather finish than fall off. Mm. And um, I thought that this year Rossi would, you know, have a bit more of, of that kind of approach mm. and even Davizioso but we haven't really seen that maturity out of either of them no. and, and they're both older than Marquez that's so. correct yeah yeah anyway moving on to Formula One yeah Formula One finished up last night Abu Dhabi as well in the United Arab Emirates um, look it was a interesting race there was a couple of highlights through it probably a bit of a bit of a cakewalk for Lewis in the end um, I don't know I haven't got in the notes here but Lewis's celebration at the end of the podium was weird. He took his shirt off and turned his back to the crowd and they poured champagne on his back. It was, it was kind of weird. And maybe it's a fetish thing. Oh, I don't know. It was, I don't it was know. weird. It was weird. Anyway, anyway that, I that track that, reportedly but... cost $1.5 billion. Yeah, to... it's still today's most expensive purpose-built track for Formula One. Do you think that this is what the um, Liberal leader had in mind for Victoria? <laughs> We should have asked Harry about that. I know, I know. So, yeah, you probably need to explain a bit about that. But Matthew Guy, Liberal uh, opposition leader in Victoria, $40 million. Yep, he he, uh, promised $40 million to build Mm. a new drag strip in Victoria to bring back the crowds of old. Yeah. Um, Actually quoting the the figures that we often talk about, Calder Park seeing Mm. uh, 90,000-plus spectators. Uh, didn't work for him. No. Landslide uh, yeah. Labor win. Um, now, the thing that I don't get, uh, the the Labor leader, mm. is that Mr. Bean? No, 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 Daniel Andrews. Daniel Andrews. Like is he Bean. related to Mr. Bean? <laughs> you say what you want to say about Daniel Andrews, but he <laughs> doesn't do, um, from my understanding, one of the AM radios, I think it's 3RW, doesn't do interviews there, and Harold, son of had the scope on him for some time and still managed the landslide victory. I think that um, it's a bit like the upcoming federal election. You know, no one really wants Bill Shorten as Prime Minister, Mm. but everyone... You know, this is what we we went through in WA. We didn't want Mark McGowan. Mm. We just wanted to teach the Liberals a lesson. Yep. And I think that this is the the same sort of thing. I mean, you know, I don't know what Andrews is doing over there. Obviously, he's doing a pretty good job. Yeah, because, yeah he's you know, doing a very good job. Yeah, so, um, but we've got the New South Wales election coming up. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think she's pretty nervous. Yeah. She's, um, I don't think she feels that comfortable that, that they're just going to romp at home. And then, yeah, next year we've got the uh, the federal election. Yeah. So, yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I I don't think that any of the stuff that went on with Turnbull and, and so on, you know, Abbott and mm. just, I don't think that's done him any favours. No, certainly not. Certainly not. Back to the Formula One. Just <laughs> don't let politics get in the way of talking about Formula One. But um, so, yeah, it was, it was also to be Fernando Alonso's last race and it was really, um, you know, a 
fitting to see him actually finish the race. That was really nice <laughs> to see him actually finish. Um, it was also Dan's last race with Red Bull Racing. Oh, on the subject of Alonso, yeah, uh, is it true that he might be going to NASCAR? Oh, look, he's he's poured water on that that rumor, but he's doing a car swap. I think today actually, today the car swap is happening with Jimmy Johnson of NASCAR. Fame. Oh yeah, yeah. So the two teams have got together and they're doing a car swap. So Jimmy Johnson will be driving not the latest car. Yeah, it's a, a V8 McLaren from the old, not the old days, but I think it's a few years old, before the hybrid era. Yep. So Jimmy will be racing that, and, and uh, Fernando doing that at Bahrain. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yep. yeah, not far from Abu Dhabi, not far from this facility. So that'll be um, interesting to see. Um, bit of a frightening incident actually in that at the start of the race we had the hass of. Um, Roman Grosjean tag uh, Nico Hulkenberg's Renault and we saw the Renault roll over twice uh, he was okay bit of a fire in the back of the car but they, they managed to get him out after they got the fire out yeah it was the thong the thong <laughs> the thong saved him had he not have been wearing thongs no I don't think the halo had anything to do with it it was interesting, great tussle between the boxing, the sparring partners of two weeks ago, Esteban Ocon and Max Verstappen. I'll tell you what, Esteban had his elbows out for position too, so no yielding required. And they went, it was a couple of laps, they went shoulder to shoulder. Really great to see. I was really happy to see Ocon fight so hard. I still, without repeating myself, cannot understand how this guy's not going to run a race for next year, car for next year. Anyway. Nothing at all. No. No, probably you know, you know, Nick. A, a lot of the people that you see driving, they're paid drives. Yeah, well, Ocon is a Mercedes driver, and he's so he's leased by well, he's owned by Mercedes. Can't believe it. Let him go, guys, because he's got great talent, and I'm sure someone will pick him up somewhere. Um, yeah, and Raikkonen's so, final race in Ferrari. Yeah, out in lap eight, lack of power. So that was really sad to see. Um, anyway, as we said, Lewis Hamilton went on to win the race um, ahead of Vettel. Vettel really, you know, sort of was there, but not really there. Uh, and Verstappen in third. Dan finished his career in fourth spot. Great to see. Well, career in the Red Bull. Red Bull racing. Yeah. Sorry, my apologies. My He'll be apologies. back in Renault. Yep, yep. What do you think? Do you think Renault's got it? Not, not for 2019, but Alain Prost has already said that. So that's okay. Wow. 2020. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But they, they, they know that, and we're not expecting anything from Dan or the cars next year. But 2020, with the new rule changes, that's when we'll see some change. Well, Elaine Prost seems to think that that's what well, he would know. He's the team principal. So we wrapped up the supercars as well at Newcastle. I'm just going to say two words. Well, they're four words. Five words to you. <laughs> I haven't put oh, it in the notes. How many words are you got? Five. <laughs> he said a lot more just introducing that. You know that. <laughs> Charlie Jackson, Jerry Cans. Oh, stop it. Stop oh, it. God. Stop it. Where are we at? I have one thing to say to you. Yes. That if Mark Scaife, mm. right, agreed with the steward's decision, yep. then it's final. Oh, yeah. He's the, the judge. What is he? The judge. <laughs> he, he is the judge, executioner. jury, executioner. Yeah. Yeah. So did Crompo as well. But I oh, just. It was literally. If you haven't, so so for those of you that don't know, there is a rule in in the supercars that you must have the filler removed from the car before the tires hit the deck. Mm. And uh, Shane Van Gisberg, I like saying his name, <laughs> and the Red Bull Racing team. Yep, um, they didn't meet that obligation. The tires hit the deck before the filler was removed. Mm. And even though he won the first race, mm. the Saturday race, he copped a 25-second penalty because yep. of that, which moved him back to fifth. So at the end of the first race, going off the the race win... Now, for those of you that didn't watch the race, the race was a bit of a, you know, um, edge-of-the-seat yeah. type race. Uh there was a, a safety car that came in like a little bit earlier than you would like if you're on a two-stop strategy because yeah. you needed to go, I think it was 60 laps or something on, on, on the 140-litre maximum. Hmm. And um, the way it works is the, the, the supercar 
rules state that you have to use the allocated fuel. You have to empty that. Yeah. Um, but you're also allowed to use the vent tube, mm. right? So as long as it's out of the tank, you can have uh, the vent tube full, but as long as you've reached the bottom of that, then you've met your obligation, right? Yep. Which allows you to do a two-stop strategy. But you need to get that stop in at that critical point, mm. right? So the the Shell V-Power team, Scotty McLaughlin, they managed to get all the fuel in, but they had six litres in the vent tube. They had the maximum amount of fuel in the vent tube, which meant it was always going to be touch and go whether he was actually going to see race distance. Yeah. And um, in the closing lap, uh, Shane Van Gisberger, <laughs> however you say it, SVG, let's call him SVG. SVG. He uh, managed to close in yeah. on Scotty McLaughlin and overtake him, mm. and Scotty actually ran out of fuel he and did. coasted mm. um, coasted across the line. Mm. That's how close it was, which meant that they were down to two points yeah. for the final race of the season, which was on Sunday. Mm. Um, would it have changed the outcome? Probably not. No, no. it wouldn't have. It no. wouldn't have. Um, on the day, the, uh, the Shell V-Power team just seem to be more composed mm. um, on the Sunday race. Uh, is, uh, Scotty McLaughlin relinquished uh, yeah. the, the lead to, to Davey Reynolds, um, which, once again, that's a sign of maturity when you, you sort of, you're battling and you're sort of going, well, you know what, I don't really need to be here. Mm. I can be one position back and I've still wrapped up the championship rather than risking on a street circuit, as, as many people did, on the Saturday and on the Sunday, wiping out your car and not finishing the race. Yeah. It was interesting. I think that call, it, it probably didn't, but the big boss all the way at the top, Roger, made that call. Well, he said that that was the call to have been made, was to relinquish the lead. Yeah. And let... Now, whether he's just backing um, Ryan's story in, I, I really don't know. But it was really great to see also, not only Roger was in town for this race, Tim Sendrick as well was in town. So he's the chief operations uh, manager for uh, Penske Motorsport Worldwide. Now, there was a lot of banter on social media that the, the, the $500,000 donation uh, may have contributed to the call um, regarding the, the Red Bull Racing Team getting the 25-second penalty. But... You know, the reality is that if the tyres touch the deck and the fuel fill is still connected, then it's a breach. There's no doubt that that's the case. And I'm not saying that. I just think the rule... Let, let, we are killing this sport. We're killing it. I, I don't think that the rules are killing it, Nick. I think that the amount of money um, that you need to participate in it you know, to own a franchise, mm. to build these full chassis cars. And the fact that they're so far removed from a production car is what's already killed yeah. the, the sport. And the fact that there's no overtaking um, mm. positions. I, I, You know, the reason that, that uh, I love the MotoGP yeah. is you think about this season and the podiums and all the different manufacturers... KDM was a big deal, their first podium, mm. but it wasn't that long ago that they started out in in the sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever their formula is, it's working really well. Yeah. You've got a good mix of riders, you've got a good mix of, of manufacturers, and there's always a surprise. Every race, you know, you might say, oh, yeah, but look at how many Marquez has won. Yeah, but they've got the package at the yeah. moment, and they've consistently had the package, you know. Mm. Um the the Ducatis have been right there tussling it with them, hmm. and at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season, the Yamahas were right there. Yeah, you that's know. Right. So uh, Suzuki's getting better. Hmm. You know, we're starting to see some really good results from Suzuki, and you would almost argue that if they if they bought one of the aliens and got them to ride the bike, they would probably be you know a contender every every yeah. race meeting. Yeah. Um, the supercars, you know, what made uh, Bathurst and what made Group C and and uh, the Touring Car Championship prior to the Group C was the fact that they were the same cars that Mum and Dad used to own yeah. and drive. Yeah, you couldn't really do that now mm. because it'd it'd have to be a Camry up against uh, 
I don't know, Tarago or I something. I-40. 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 No, what's the... Oh, if you're going to bring SUV, those guys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, X-Trail or something. X-Trail, yeah. X-Trail, Pathfinder, I don't know. You shouldn't laugh too much. they got Ultimas in there, so... <laughs> yeah, they drive. do, they do. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, we also saw at the Supercars the um, the farewell of Craig Lowndes. Yeah, we did, we did. It was a fitting farewell too. Did you? What did you think? I, I don't know if you saw it. You might not have seen it, but the the actual, I guess you call it guard of honor that he walked down, and I really, I really enjoyed that. Actually, his interactions with the other teams and the other races, in particular, Davey Reynolds, who him and the Airbus team did the old obligatory Wayne's World. Uh, they get down on their we're knees. Not worthy. Yeah, we're yeah. not worthy. That was really yeah. great. I was kind of more on the Scott Pye side of things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, I mean, it was, it was, it was. Um, so if you didn't, if you didn't catch that, um, Lounsey ran into the back of Scott Pye in the pits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah and, okay. and Scott Pye later said, "Well, everyone else managed to get through," which was, which was pretty dumb, really, because Lounsey was right behind him. Yeah, <laughs> so, and the first one that knocked him out of the way. Yeah, knocked him out of the way. Yeah, I think Scotty Pye would, um, would probably want to rethink that one. Oh, I thought it was funny. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I um. You know, validating your argument about what you just said, and if you look at this, and and we've had this, we've had this interesting phenomenon as you talk about MotoGP. That aside, I mean, Marquez walked away with it, but look at the points uh, over the, the Scotty McLaughlin one on three thousand nine hundred and forty-four, all the way down to fifth. It's pretty reasonably tight. I think we've got, I guess, uh, seven hundred points there. But after fifth, it's a 400-point drop-off, mm. you know, which is quite quite significant. And if we look over at Formula One, it's even worse. Formula One, we got, you know, Lewis walked away over in the end, but we've got the top six cars. You can a reason, we won't say reasonably close. Look at that, Nico Hülkenberg in seventh, best of the rest, no doubt. Mm. That's a substantial drop-off after after uh, Daniel yeah, Ricciardo, but Nick, anything... who lost eight engines. Anything... That you you try and do like the race for the chase or the the countdown, any of that sort of stuff. I don't think I think oh, I'm not really a fan of it. No, neither I, am I, I. I think that if you've got a great driver yep. and you've got a great team and you can walk away with the championship, then mm. you should be able to do that. Yeah, and yep. then it's up to the rest of the teams to catch up. And I think the secret to this is, you know, you watch a lot of the racing. And yeah, it's boring to watch the guys at the front. You want to watch the guys in the middle that are fighting it out. But really, they've earned that TV. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah. The, the formula of the supercars is a flawed one because mm. they're trying to, you know, like even out the money that they all get and look after the top teams. And it's it's not, you know, it's yeah. just not a... And, and the fact that they're so restricted in... Um, you know the engines have to be like this, and now they're full tube car. Mm, there's yep. not, there's nothing that's holding or thought about it. Mm. You know, um, I, I guess the good thing is that if tomorrow they change the rules and make them run a NASCAR style car, mm. well, the teams are going to be able to adapt to that because what they've got now has got nothing to do with a production car anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, maybe that's the road that they're taking. Maybe we're going to end up with a GT series or mm. whatever. You know, you got to understand that even Formula One, like at one stage, Formula One wasn't the top tier. You know, mm. they moved it around. Yeah. And, and what formula refers to is, you know, it's this many cubic inches or this many litres. It's this wheelbase, this minimum mm. weight. You know, that's the formula. The rules are the formula. Um, yeah, and if you look at the history, at, at one stage, Formula 2 was the top category. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know where it's going. I mean, it was exciting to watch, but it's the usual follow the leader type yeah. racing. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, those cars are practically center steer now. Mm. Yep. The, yeah. The dri- drivers moved right in the middle. They're going over to the left, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Formula racing, it's not in the notes as well, but I just got news this week formula 3 is going to be replacing gp3 gp3 is out formula 3 is in so at uh formula 1 events uh we're not going to be seeing gp3 anymore we're going to be seeing formula 3 and the rules are changing slightly uh but no hybrid engines for formula 3 so just a standard petrol engine 3.6 liter 
anyway that's that's uh, some interesting news in other news um I don't know if you follow your cricket at all, Simon, but Mitchell Johnson used to be the fast bowler for Australia. Then he also had a stint at the Scorchers. It's my son's favourite play. He was uh, really disappointed to hear when he retired from the Scorchers. More of a Gilchrist and Shane Warne (laughs) kind of guy, to be honest. (laughs) Alan Border. But uh, Mitchell Johnson will be debuting in WA's F1000 series. Merv Hughes. Merv Hughes. Top bloke, Merv. David Boone. I was more of a David Boone. Beanie? Yeah, You don't drink like Beanie. No, no, nowhere near, but... Good guy. Short, short, backward square. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's anyway back to Mitchell Johnson. F one thousand series in WA, so he'll be debuting uh, that next year in two thousand and nineteen. So, so, do you know about the the F one thousand series? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great class. GSXR one thousand motors. I'm not sure it's 1, restricted, but they're one thousand. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Well, I think GSX is the the choice of of weapon from what I can understand. Really? Yeah. I would have thought the Quacker. The Kawasaki, because, I, I mean, on paper, it makes more horsepower. Mm, yeah, uh, okay. Maybe the latest GSX-R makes more power. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, or the BMW. Yep. The the 1000RR. That's that's a screamer of a bike. Mm. Um, great series. It's great news, it is. Uh, and I think reasonably cost-effective, yep. unless you've been one. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting. We should actually get up there and... Yeah, have a look at that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Also, another news this week: uh, Auckland uh, host a uh, bidding for to host a Formula E race. Now, I know a lot of people don't like Formula E, and I, I'm I'm neither here nor there on it at the moment. But I think you know Auckland are actually bidding for it. But I think really some this is something that Perth should be looking at. Because um, Formula E is only going to get bigger. Um, they've just announced a television rights into the B, into the UK via BBC, and that'll be free to air over um over the internet yeah um no word on australia yet uh how we get it at the moment you've got to subscribe to it to get it in australia and it's over the internet but um these guys are doing some really great things formula e and i think you know it should be something that australia in particular should be looking at uh look uh the whole electric uh car deal electric racing Mm. I think we've we've got no choice but to accept that it's going to be the future. Yeah. Right. Um, now I don't know if you follow it much, but little bit. GM is talking about releasing a crate motor now. Mm. Um, so I've done a little bit of research. It's a Borg Warner based motor. It's actually two Borg Warner motors bolted together. Seven hundred and fifty horsepower. Um, and they fitted one to a Copo Camaro. Oh yeah. Right. It's got a. It runs a modified turbo four hundred. Um, which I would imagine has an electric pump for the oil pressure side and no torque converter. And there is no official numbers yet, but, you know, they've obviously done some testing with it. Um, The banter is that it's in the low nines. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, and that's a considerably heavy Mm. vehicle. It's not like a a purpose-built electric drag car. Um, So... It'll be interesting to see because, I mean, obviously, the the good thing about the, the electric motors is they're a bit of a modular design. You can just keep bolting motors on. Mm. So you want 1,500 horsepower, you bolt two of them together. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I know people are going, oh, you know, the sound. But, yeah, the, the, the pollution, this mm. is what we've got to accept that eventually people are going to say, hey, yeah. um, you can't burn fuel anymore. So... You know, it, it'll be interesting to to see how that starts to info- uh, unfold. In the yeah. US, there's already a, um, uh electric drag racing association, mm. um, which has, you know, been growing uh, for a number of years now. So, interesting to see. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, um, good luck to everyone at the Golden States this week. That's coming up in the Perth Motorplex this Saturday, the 1st of December. And... Um, it depends on when you get this podcast. You may be getting it on the night that this event is held, but there's going to be a radial event at the Motorplex on Wednesday, the 28th of November. Red versus Blue. The teams have been announced. Go to the Motorplex Facebook page. I can't remember who the teams, who's in each team. You have to forgive me, but it's on there anyway. Um, not a bad concept from the guys. I think your friend Jesse's. He's on the bench at the at the moment, so I don't know. If he's, he's on the bench. He's on the bench. Yeah, I don't know. It says to be advised, so he's not in the team yet. So, oh, okay. He must be coming off the bench. 
all may, the time. Well, I mean, I would have thought that he would be quick enough to be considered. I'm not sure if he's uh, made himself available is what I mean by that. Oh. He might not have made himself available for Wednesday evening, so I might be talking a bit out of school. Oh, he, but... was, he was down there um, last Wednesday. He went, okay, he went uh, I'm pretty sure he went 8 five zero at one sixty. Yeah. These guys are only gonna be going to half track on Wednesday evening. Yep. He might not have an opponent. That's why he's to be advised. He's waiting for someone else to come in. So with a forward. I'm assuming that's what the red versus blue No? Don't know. Don't think so. No. I think it's just red and blue. What, what, what does now. that mean? I can't remember <laughs> the, the breakdown. It was Lorenzo Galotto was in there. There was a, no, a few other names, but I don't I don't remember who was who. My apologies. I well, you'd be think better. you'd think that red versus blue would be, uh, you know, Ford versus Holden. No, I don't think it was that way. You know, Hol- what? Holden is, is traditionally the red. I don't um, want to be talking out of school school here. No, it can't. It can't. It cannot be. I've just had this confirmed. It cannot be Holden versus Ford because. Lorenzo's in red, yes, he's holding, but Kevin Bolton's in blue, and that's a Camaro. And Craig is in red, Craig Moore, and he's neither. And Clint is in red, and he's not red. Not holding. Clint. Did Giovanni. Oh, rightio. So, and as I said, to be confirmed, Jesse Murphy. But I can only assume he hasn't got a partner yet. That sounds a bit sus, doesn't it? He's got a partner. He's got a pair in, is what I mean. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. All right. Okay. Um, big shout out to our, there's another podcast in WA, if you haven't heard of it, uh, The Pod Filter. And they've got some special guests on next Monday. <laughs> Very special, apparently. You and me. We're going to be on. So, big thanks to Adam and Simon over at The Pod Filter for asking us. So, we're going to be. Shooting on down there to Armour. They actually, you know what they've come out and said? They don't think that Belcata is the home capital of the world. Really? No, they, they dispute that and they want figures they verifying want, that. Well, we'll have to do the freedom of information thing and find out how many people have been busted under the But boom. some, you know, we got, we had Joe Ordino in Belcata back in the day. Joe Ordino. Yeah, you know. So, for those of you that don't know who Joe Ordino is, you may remember driving up Karen Up Road... Is it Karen Up Road there? Yeah, it yeah, is Karen Up Karen Road, Road, yeah. And seeing a brown Holden Commodore station wagon yep. at one stage with flares on it Yep. parked out the front of a house. That is the famous Joe Ordino mobile. It's still running. I had it verified the other day for me from someone very close to us. Actually tinkered with it. There you go. It's still running. Still so he, drives he, he used to do the Hungry Jacks run. Because we used to meet at Scarborough Car Park back oh, yeah. in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, not that we were doing anything illegal. Or... <laughs> of course not. <laughs> and uh, he used to do the Hungry Jacks run yep. to Mandra. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. Friends do that as well. We should probably not talk about that. Probably <laughs> probably not. Because the burgers are better in Mandra, Mandra apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've said enough already. So, yeah, anyway, look, uh, we're going to be on the podcast filter. Really looking forward to that and uh, meeting Adam and Simon down there. Uh, so that'll be down in Armadale. So I'm looking forward to that. Is, yeah. it, at, is it at a pub? Mm, yep. Yeah, Does, they have a special room there. Who's driving? I'll be. You'll driving. be driving? Yep. Yeah, I'll drive. <laughs> You're picking me up? Yeah, you can have a few beers. I will. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a few beers with the guys as well. well. But hang on. We can do wine tasting at the same time. No, I don't know if the guys will take a liking to that. Anyway, I could be wrong. Hey, we're on, as we said, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, our website, YouTube as well. You'll see this video come out on YouTube a few days later. So got to thank Harry Haig for his time on the podcast tonight. Really appreciate that. Get over to thestreetmachine.com.au, see all the video there. It's a really great 24-minute video. It shows basically Harry and Frank going toe-to-toe for the whole week. Probably... A little bit unfair to some of the other races that are in there. Go back and watch some more videos because there's some other there's some other cars in there that are just equally as good as these guys. Mm. You know what I mean? And probably just weren't quite there. And uh, a shout out to Lorenzo as well. That was oh a huge effort for those guys, eh? Hey? Yeah, huge effort. They finished third overall, first in the LS class and second in the radial class. So just to quantify this, which like, yeah, I'm just a little bit confused because Harry was on radials, but. Yeah, we should have asked him. Apparently, the radial class, you had to run a 275. 
That's correct. Which is or smaller. Yeah. Which is kind of they should have called it a two seven five. Yeah, I, I saw that rule anyway. as well. But anyway, yeah, just to quantify that and, and Lorenzo, he finished I mean six tenths. that sounds like a lot in drag racing, but it's not in not no, over fifteen hundred kilometres yeah, in five days. Five, it's that's absolutely right. nothing. Yeah. So he finished six tenths behind these guys. And Adam Rogash again was only one tenth behind him. So in fairness, I mean, yeah, we, we, we've we spoken with Harry uh, tonight. We, we should really try and speak with Frank as well at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And Lorenzo as well and yeah. Adam Rogash and, and anyone else that really... I think what Street Machine has got going here is huge. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome event. Yeah. All right, Simon, thanks for coming in and uh, thanks for coming in a bit early. So I really appreciate that. And Thanks for having us, Nick. No worries. All right, we'll see you soon. See you in the street. Cheers. Talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.